breaking the huddle and going the length of the field to set the stage for this weekend in the FCS, it's FootballGamePlan.com's FCS Opening Drive with Luke Diamond and Emery Hunt. Presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. 10 a.m. on this Friday morning. We are back. After a week off last week, we are back. I'm Luke Diamond with my man, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, back from that Chris Canty camp. What's going on, Emery? What's going on, Luke, man? Glad to be back. And yeah, last week we didn't have a show because I was at that football camp, um, Chris Canty's Camp of Champions uh, football camp, which was great. We were working with kids from ages, I would say, 7 to 17. Um, really good group of guys. We were out there at George Washington High School in the Bronx. Um, and the, the first two days, it was real hot. It was a two-day camp, but it was real hot th- those two days. Um, but we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It was great to get out there and, and do some coaching, man. I'm just glad to be back. Yeah, and Chris Canty, a champion himself, right? The believe the, 2000, the, the what was that, 2012 Ravens? Yep, exactly. 2000. Uh, no, he wasn't with the 2000 Ravens. He wasn't? Mm-mm. He got there in 2013? Uh, I, I want to say he's just recently got to I don't know if he was on that Super Bowl squad. He may have been. Yeah, I don't think he was. No, he the was, more he, I think about it, I don't think he was. Yeah, and I don't think he was on the Giants Super Bowl squad either. I think he was in Dallas at the time. I know drafted by Dallas, right? Right, right, right. So, but good Virginia guy, good v, uh, UVA guy, and a lot. Shout out to all those guys that were at the camp too, working out there, coaching, and doing a good job for for the community. Yeah, because I was at that I was at a camp about two weeks ago. I was at a Michigan satellite camp, mm-hmm. and I don't know what this camp was like, but there was like I think there was forty schools. You mm-hmm. had forty schools. You had SES schools. You had you know Michigan was the, the, for the for the big time schools. You had Michigan. You had Pitt. You had Syracuse, uh, Maryland, and to watch all these coaches come together and coach one camp. And be able to bring a little bit of everything from their from their schools, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty impressive. So, um, you know, and it, it was good to finally get back out there, smell the grass, get back yeah, in football, deal with the heat too, man. I wasn't deal prepared for that. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we, we had such a nice spring, nice like cool spring. Mm-hmm. And now the last couple of weeks, I think yeah, last couple of days, 90, 80s, 90s. So, yeah, you know, we have to get back into that summer mode for the uh, two days and all that good stuff. But um, today we're doing pro prospects, NFL prospects across the FCS. Uh, we'll do offense, defense, and then if we've got time at the end, we'll get to a little little uh, Big Sky preview. Yeah, because we, you know, we put out, we're, we're starting to unveil our 2016 season previews. We've done uh, the Big Sky, we've done the Big South, um, the Ivy League, Patriot League, um, uh, the Ohio Valley Conference as well. Um, so, and, and we still, we filmed the SWAC preview last night. We got the MEAC and Pioneer and the rest of them, Southland. Uh, and CAA coming out next week, but we done we've done a lot, and you know if we have time, we'll we'll jump into what we what we think the Big Sky would would look like this year. It's um, one of those conferences where you're gonna have a ton of uh, t- a ton of good teams from let's say out there at 13, half of them have a legitimate shot to get to the playoffs. I think it's gonna be a really competitive league once again. But um, if we got time, we'll we'll jump into that because there's some good prospects coming out that conference as well. Oh, and of course, hopefully we get to it, but we don't want to cut any of these pro prospects short. And we're starting off with the offense, maybe at the next, especially at the next level, I would say the most important position, the leader of the offense, the quarterback position, and number one on our list, or not number one, not ordered in any way, but the first guy on our list, very appropriate for that shirt you're wearing from the Fordham <laughs> Rams, right in the New York area, Kevin Anderson. Yeah, Anderson is a guy, man, that, that transferred in from, from Marshall, and um, I was at that Army game last year. And we're Fordham upset Army. And what was interesting was that you have 
a quarterback that was he was replacing a guy um, that put up Michael Niebrick, Mike Niebrick that put up a you know this crazy amount of numbers, touchdowns, yards, all kind of passing records he set, and you when they lose him, you think okay they're going to take a step back at quarterback, but Kevin Anderson comes into the game and comes into to this that season and lit up Army. I mean, he found another guy we're going to talk about later on this list, but he was finding him throughout the course of the game and throughout the season. You have a guy in Anderson that was putting up consistent numbers, kept the offense on pace, and from a passing standpoint, you like the fact that he's accurate. He um, he has a quick release. He's also very athletic. I mean, uh, one game last year he rushed for over 100 yards. So in this landscape of football, you have the capability of doing dual-threat things. It makes you a threat. It makes an 11-on-11 game. So that's why I like what he brings to the table. And he's, what, 6'2", about 195, just a good all-around talent. I think Fordham has themselves a real gem, which is why I think they'll do fine this year in the Patriot League. And that's my favorite type of quarterback. The the pocket pass there, pro-style quarterback with the athleticism and the ability to run. And when you look at the guys at the top, everybody talks about Newton as a, as a dual threat. He's still a pocket passing quarterback with some of the best legs in the league. You look at Aaron uh, Rodgers and Andrew Luck. These are pocket passing quarterbacks that have that athleticism to break the pocket something that when you look at the last generational quarterbacks even though Brady's still at the top of his game guys like Tom Brady and guys like Peyton Manning didn't have the wheels to do now this new generation you're kind of able to do both right and uh, that's you know really what you like to see the guy who could stay in the pocket take the hit make the big throw but also if need be be able to break the pocket and uh, do stuff with his legs and when you look at Kevin Anderson's numbers I would say out of these four or five guys we have on the quarterback pro prospect list, and of course strength of schedule and all these different things depending on the conference right. you play and come into consideration, but over 3,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, only 10 picks. And, and this is, and here's the thing, with, with, with Anderson, it's not like teams come in knowing that they're going to throw the football. They have a tremendous tailback in the backfield and Chase Edmonds, who's going to be a junior this year, who's a legit pro prospect. But, you know, he has to bring his A game every week because teams could load up and stop the run and shut down their offense, but they can't do that because Anderson is such a good passer. And the way he's able to, I think one thing I like about him, and he has this trait compared with another guy on his list, is that he has that short memory. So, you know, bad plays are out the window, good plays, he kind of builds on that. And I just think he has good all-around game. And short memory is so important. The cornerback and the quarterback. Right. You got to have the shortest memories on the field. Moving on, Alec Tolgerson. Did I say that right? Yeah, Torgerson is, is a guy. Um, I was at two pin games last year. I was at the upset versus Villanova. Um, I think that was the first time they beat Villanova. I want to say since 1907 or 1913. One of those. One of those two. Um, and Torgerson lit up Villanova's defense. And when you look at what he brings to the table, um, 230, You know, good passer. Good. Uh, you know, good accuracy. The deep accuracy is what's impressive, and they go deep down the field, and they got a really good receiver that's going to be a pro prospect next year in Justin Watson, but Torgerson is outstanding. I think, you know, I, I, people say you kind of, you're kind of biased toward Ivy League quarterbacks or why you pump up Ivy League quarterbacks. Well, that's not the case. They've produced some really good quarterbacks in the last three to four years. Jeff Matthews at Cornell. Shout out to Tim Simpson, too, the Cornell uh, grad. He played at Cornell. I want to give him a shout out. But mm-hmm. Cornell had Jeff Matthews. You also look at uh, Dalen Williams last year out of Dartmouth. Morgan Roberts out of Yale. They've produced some really good quarterbacks. So it, it's no surprise that Penn has one now in Torgerson. And I think he's going to be outstanding um, this year. Again, he has the weapons. They have the good uh, receiving core. So with his skill set and what he brings to the table and, and the fact that he's able to do it on a consistent basis, I think 
pro scouts will like what they see from him. Yeah, and you like the size, 6'2", 230. That's what you want to see. And uh, like you said, the accuracy, 69% led the Ivy League last year as a junior, and he was a 2015 All-Ivy League first-teamer. So, you know, talking about a league with good quarterbacks, hyping up the quarterbacks when a guy's did what he did last year as a junior makes it a lot easier to hype it up. Only three picks on the season last year for Togelson. Moving on to Brady Gustafson from the Montana Grizz at six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. What do you like about the senior from Montana? Well, the fact of the matter is that he he has the size that let's say scouts cover. And to me, size is not a skill, but some it's people not. it's important. It's an advantage. Though. Exactly. If if you if you know how to use yeah. it right, you know we talked about that before. Where if you you could be big for nothing, you know. But this guy at six seven, two forty five has a, a really strong arm. And if you go back um, to last year's opener versus North Dakota State. You saw him outplay Carson Wentz. Now, what Wentz has over Gustafson is the fact that Wentz can move. Wentz is a mobile guy. He can get out there and make things happen. Gustafson is going to stand there in the pocket. He has good footwork, um, and I think that's where he has to get better uh, from a footwork perspective as far as getting out of the way because he also uh, took a lot of hits, you know, in the fact that he didn't finish the season last year. Um, he missed a lot of games. You want to see if he can stay healthy. You want to see if he can improve himself. And you also want to see him um, do a better job in minimizing the mistakes because he can be hot and cold. Just like he had a lot of success versus North Dakota State, the, ne the next week he threw, I think, three interceptions or something like that. And he had those games where four touchdowns one week, three interceptions next week, three touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, so yeah, you got to flatline. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you can't be like that if you're trying to play quarterback at a high level. And I was only seven games on season, like you said, the injury plague season for him last year. Uh, but you could see in that small sample size, 12 TDs to nine picks. It shows that inconsistency and how at the end of the season, it kind of bounds out to very mediocre, you know, a very mediocre seven games yeah, when you average it all together. Because when you look at it, it is, for Gustafson, it's all about what game did you look at? If you watch the North Dakota State game, you're like, okay, well, he has great talent. If you watch the, the next game, you're like, man, this guy can't complete a pass. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's about him flatlining. And, you know, it's, you want to see every game be the same for him. But if you're a pro scout, I think what you do is you look at those positive games. You see the guy has it, and then you see the 6-7 and the 240-whatever. And you say, you know, it's a guy we should take that risk on. We should take, you know, the, uh, the risk with the 6-7 frame and all these different things. And we, the guy clearly has talent, like you said, week one. So, um, you know, and another thing is, you know, size and like we were joking about the whole big for no reason, even though I don't think that exists in the NBA anymore because now you see guys like Timothy Mosgrave going off for four years, $64 million contracts. But, you know, what I always considered size is I look at two evenly talented guys. One guy's a little bit bigger, he's going to get that edge. So that's where the size is always important in that way. But, you know, if you don't have the talent, you don't have the talent. But like you said, Brady, with the up and down and the games he, you saw him play, mm -hmm. you know the guy does have a little something. Moving on to Lamontez Ivory from the Jackson State Tigers at 6'3", 215. What do you like about Ivory? Well, well Ivory is a guy that, that um, he has to make sure, you know, he stays healthy. You know, you see the common thing with the last two guys, Gustafson and Ivy, uh, health. You got to be out there. Availability, availability is your best ability. Um, but he is clearly the best pocket passer in the SWAC. And and I talked about this in the SWAC preview, and they'll see you guys will see it when it comes out. But um, there's a quarterback renaissance going on in the SWAC. You know, a lot of history, a lot of tradition in that conference. But Ivy is a guy that's a really good pocket passer, and 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 he has some weapons to get the football to. He's going to put up some great numbers. They're breaking in, breaking in a new coach. They have a good offensive line. Um, but 
what I like about him is that he he kind of reminds me of a and I hate to make comparisons because people will hang on it, mm-hmm. but when you look at how he is in the pocket, he's more like a Donovan McNabb. You know, he he can withstand the pressure. He can get out of the way. He's not as mobile as McNabb, but he does a good job within the pocket like McNabb. So for him, it's about being healthy. And if he can put together a full season, not only will Jackson State benefit, but he'll benefit as well. I think he has a lot of potential to play in one of these all-star games, whether it be, um, let's say, the, the NFLPA game, if he plays well, or maybe something like, uh, the Dream Bowl or the HBCU Spirit of America Bowl, which uh, just released that it will kick off this year. I think he has an opportunity to play in one of those. But he has a really good shot because I like his passing ability. He's just a good all-around passer. He is of the same uh, talent as, let's say, a, a, a Kevin Anderson. It's just like a lot of good plays in a row. Um, he may not have the strongest arm, but his quick delivery allows him to, to beat defenders with anticipation. Yeah, and like you said, really the only thing, both these last two guys, both these last two guys, uh, injury plague junior seasons, hopefully for the two of them and their, especially their, uh, you know, their pro prospect, uh, you know, hopefully they could stay healthy going into their senior season when, uh, you know, everything will be on the line as far as NFL draft and, uh, you know, future uh, NFL uh, experience goes. Uh, moving on, a guy who I believe missed, he missed the entire 2015 season, right? Yeah, Josh Strong is, um, here's the reason why he missed the entire season is because the program he was at, Stillman, um, they shut down their football program. So when you look at a team coming from Division Two, you know, uh, when you look at a team coming from Division Two that that closed down their program, and now he has to find a way to, to play ball. Uh, plus, he was hurt. So not only was he was hurt, he also missed the season because they would, you know, this was their last year. And when you look at um, his 2014 season, you see a guy that, that I mean, from watching Stillman tape, and Stillman has put up, produced some defensive linemen, some offensive linemen, but he was the one that stood out head and shoulders above the rest because he has the passing ability. I think what makes him solid is his, his deep passing. And, and if you're able to complete passes deep down the field, it makes you as an offense tougher to defend. So him going to an ideal situation in southern Illinois is huge. I think he may actually – he probably have has already uh, secured the starting job. And they had a pretty solid quarterback last year that was in place that came back, and now you bring in Strawn. And Strawn has some some looks from his play at Stillman. So him moving up a level is a plus. Him going to an offense like Southern Illinois is a, another plus. And with his skill set, that's three positive things in a row. I think he's going to be outstanding this year. And what I like about all five of these guys on our list, is it five? Is it? Yeah, it's five, all five guys on our list. They're all pro. They're all pro size. They're all six mm-hmm. two, ranging from six two to Brady at six foot seven, and they're all pocket passing quarterbacks. And at the next level, you got to be a pocket passing quarterback. And uh, you know, all five of these guys seem to have those pocket passing traits, plus the size to go along with it. Um, I'm pretty sure every every guy on our list, right, is a every guy on our list this year is going to be a senior. Cup had the uh, Cup had the chance to go out last year, but I'm uh, pretty sure everybody on our list this year, uh, including all five uh, quarterbacks, everybody on the list. Yeah, these are all seniors. seniors. These are all seniors here on this list. And uh, are we ready to move on to running? Should we take a break and go to running backs, or at the, uh, at the yeah? Let's take a break. Mark? Quick break, and we we come right back. All right, we'll take a quick break when we're coming back. Pro prospects in the FCS for the running back position. Right after this, here on MTL Radio. I play by play. Your calls. Our opinions. MTR Sports. 
Yo, have you ever had a dream of becoming a radio or TV personality? Guess what? What is he? What is he? What is he? What is he? That could happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you get there. They're the oldest and largest group of communication schools in the country. In the country, I tell you. You learn by doing hands-on training here. None of that textbook drama. You learn from professional broadcasters and hey, they have job placement assistance for grads, too. Take it from me and a few other people. We're all CSB grads. I finished the CSB program in March. Now I'm working at a news radio station in northern New Jersey. Hi, I'm Bobby O'Hara, and I attended CSB back in 2013. I'm currently working for MLB.com in New York City. If it wasn't for my experience here at CSB, I wouldn't be able to be where I'm at today. If you do decide to come to our school, you will get trained in months here, not years. And hey, another cool thing is there's also scholarship programs available. So don't just sit there. Call one 800 TV radio and make those dreams a reality with Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Yo, Izzy, thanks for telling us that, man. Now we're going to call and get our career started in broadcasting. No problem, guys. You're welcome. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Luke Diamond from The Huddle here. I'm going to make this real short because I got to run. I got to coach a practice tonight. Practice? Oh, what's up, Alan? Yeah, I got, I got practice tonight. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Come on, AI. We got to practice if we want to make the playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Yeah, coach. We win these last three games and we're in the playoffs. You kidding me? Nah, I'm 100% serious. Anything is possible. Thank you, Kevin. I don't know where he gets that energy from, but Garnett is completely right. I mean, Cleveland just won a championship. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? Nah, Noah. My whole point is if Cleveland could do it, then anybody could do it. I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. Vacation? Joaquin, what are you saying? I, I didn't say. Can somebody explain to Joaquin what I was trying to say about Cleveland? Yeah. Thank you, Marshawn. Beast mode, it's on you. Whenever you're ready, please explain. Yeah. Okay, any day now. Yeah. Is yeah the only word that's gonna come out of your mouth? Yeah. Then why on earth are you even here? I'm here so I won't get fined. Okay, thank you Iverson, and Mora, and Joe Kim, and Garnett, and Marshawn for completely wasting my time. Now I really gotta wrap this thing up or I'm going to be late for practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Yeah, we are talking about practice because I got practice tonight and I wanna make the playoffs. Playoffs? You kidding me? I, I just, I can't do this anymore. So guys, basically, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. 3.05 to 5 o'clock, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, Eastern Standard Time, right here on MTR Radio, talking all things sports. Please come check us out. I got to get out of here. 10.18, we're back here on this Friday afternoon. Luke Dime with Emery Hub. You guys are listening to the opening drive. We just finished up the quarterbacks. And now we're about to move on to the running back position. First of all, that was a dope commercial. You know, it was a little Thank long, you. but it was a dope <laughs> commercial. You know, who, what beat was that? Uh, that was uh, Young and Wild and Free, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, that's, that's a dope beat, man. That's a dope <laughs> beat. Yeah, I tried out a couple different beats. I thought that one fit the the melody. Cause I was trying to stay calm, mm-hmm. and then like they were in the studio with me. They were like pissing me off as I was going along. But I wanted to try to keep that nice, cool, relaxed, calm beat. It's a good summertime song now that we're in the month of July, so... I figured it was a it was a good beat, kind of fit the uh, fit the tone, you know, driving down the shore, young, wild, and free. Good choice, good choice, right there. Thank you. So moving on to the running back position, uh, number one on our list are the first guy um, on our slate are running backs, Tyra Cohen. Yeah, and here's the thing with with uh, with Cohen, um, and you'll see three out of the four guys on this list are five nine and under, and so which for a running back is great because you have the low center of gravity, but Cohen is at 5'6", 190. 
so he's an even shorter guy, but he's coming off a blistering performance in the Celebration Bowl. He he hit up Alcorn State for, I want to say, nearly 300 yards. Um, and I want, within the first three to four plays of the game, he broke a long touchdown run. So he has breakaway speed. He has enough power to where he can break tackles, um, and he can help you out as a kickoff returner or even a punt returner. So here's a situation where you can't let his height deter you because you look at guys like Darren Sproles, uh, Maurice Jones, Drew was 5'7", five, 5'8", five, around that area. So Cohen can play, and he has produced at a high level. He may be a senior bowl candidate um, because of how well he's put up big numbers or even an East-West Shrine game candidate. He's firmly on the radar of NFL scouts. He has the speed, the agility, the burst, and the versatility to play at the next level. And I'll, you, you always have to, when you look at the school website, because I was looking at the school website, you always have to take everything with a grain of salt because the school website and their 40 times at combines and stuff like that, <laughs> right. o- always different. Right. But at five foot six, you've got to imagine that the guy has to be blazing fast. His right. school, the Aggies website, had him running a 4 3 40. And that's a legit 4 that's 3 a, 40. That's legit. That's a legit 4 3 40. Because a lot of times, first of all, coming out of high school, you have these mythical 4 3s and mythical yeah, 4 2s. You, know? you have defensive line, you have 300 pound defensive and offensive linemen running like four sixes. You right. have like four fours. <laughs> like it's, it, it's ridiculous. But he's legit, though. He's le- his speed is legit. And I will say that. I, I've seen that up close. He's pulling away from casters fast. So. What, what was Chris Johnson's? 4 2 8, I believe. So he's in the running. Yeah. If it's legit, he's in the running. And he's going to get an opportunity to – he's explosive as heck, man. So You say he gets, he gets a combine invite? I think so. I think he will. So he'll have that – He'll healthy, have a chance. He'll have, right. that, he'll have he'll, that He'll shot. get a chance to get, what, is 100000 if for the fastest 40 time? Is it that? They, I, they give you hundred grand And a gold cleats? I think he'll, I think he'll have a, a, a shot for that. He's pretty fast. And his numbers are ridiculous. And uh, I saw a stat, which is pretty cool, also on the website, was um, – He's uh he has the second most rushing yards in a two year span in Aggie history, which is pretty cool. Right. With uh with two thousand four hundred and eighty eight yards and only twenty two games, uh, along with twenty three touchdowns, plus pretty good in the receiving game as well. Uh moving on, Darius Victor from Towson University down to Maryland, the Towson Tigers, five eight, a little bit taller. What do you like about Darius Victor? Victor reminds me a lot of Ray Rice. Um he's a he's a short, compact, strong guy. And he was at, he was there at the same time when you had uh uh, Terrence West, who now is with, I believe he's with the Baltimore Ravens now. He bounced, he drafted with Cleveland, traded to to Tennessee, and now is in Baltimore. Um, I think he's in Baltimore, uh, but he was there at the same time. And I remember saying to myself, he was a freshman at the time, getting carries. And I was like, man, this guy, he seems like he's a little bit better than West. And West was the headliner, rushing for twenty five hundred yards or twenty three. He's a pro right now, right? He's a <laughs> pro, and Victor is explosive. He's powerful. And he's in the perfect offense to put up numbers because Towson is a running football team. They're going to go sometimes ace, which is two tight ends. So they're going to line up in a big set. They're going to run east. They're going to run west. They're going to run downhill. And teams know that coming in. They know Towson will not pass the football often. So I think with, with that with that skill, you have to like him uh, and, and his opportunity to put up numbers. He's he's a guy I think is going to – obviously I want all these guys get to get drafted, but I think Victor – with a big year has a chance to, to see his name called because I'll be interested to see how he runs in the 40 because I know the 40 doesn't matter but it matters to some scouts but he is a compact runner good vision good ability to catch the football he finishes runs and again he has a lot of Ray Rice type skills so when you watch him play if you're listening out there go watch him play 
and tell me he's not Ray Rice reincarnated. So. I, remember, I remember when we were doing our uh, All-American, preseason All-American, let's joke in that. That's exactly what Maryland needed, another Ray Rice. So exactly. They, and they got one in Towson they, right they now. They got one. And uh, like you are saying about the 40 time and the combine, I always have a problem with the combine when they like really start to zone in on, all right, this guy's broad jump was six inches further than this guy, and this guy could jump a quarter of an inch higher than this guy. You have three, four years of game film on these guys. Right. And, and you're going to be focusing on these little tiny measurements. You know, this guy's wingspan's a little bit longer. It's like, I don't care because I watch this guy on, on tape and I watch this guy live in person. I watch this guy play and go all out and ball for four years. Mm -hmm. I know what this guy's capable of doing on the field with pads on. And now you're doing all these measurements and these tests on these guys in the combine. And I think a lot of guys, their draft stock ri rises and falls based on a quarter of an inch here, you know, 0.2 seconds here and, and like these little things when we have all this game film to be watching and instead you know we're, we're gonna go on these little tiny measurements and I, I was never a fan of that I know some guys you know and some guys benefit from it and some teams benefit from it but you know uh, I was I'm never crazy about the uh, the NFL combine moving on to Jalen Randolph from Delaware the blue hens Jalen uh, Jalen Randolph at 61230 and he stepped up big last year he wasn't supposed to be the starter um, stepped in uh, because of an injury and played well. And again, he's six one two thirty. He's a bigger back with with good footwork. Um, it runs with good power level for being a taller guy, and and being productive in another in another offense that doesn't have the ability to throw the football. And, and that's not a knock on Delaware. That's just you know that's what they are. You know they're a run based football team. If they add any inkling of a passing game this year, they're going to be dangerous because they have talent. Defensively, they got a really good linebacker in Charles Bell, who's a junior, who's going to be phenomenal uh, when he when his time for his his draft uh, prospects to, to come up. But Randolph is a really good runner, good patience, good vision, um, big bodied guy, uh, more along your Rashad Jennings type size. So we'll see how he can do this year in a tandem because he won't be the lead guy because the other guy that he replaced is um, coming back healthy. What did Flacco go to school? Was it Delaware? Delaware. Was it kind of funny them having? you know, a top 15 quarterback in the NFL and not being a passing school in the FCS right now. I mean, when when uh, Rich Gannon was there, they were they were wing T football squad. So, I mean, they, Delaware is the, the – Pat Devlin had some, some uh, burn in the NFL for a time. I think he's still on a roster somewhere. Uh, so, Delaware has, you know, proud program in, in the FCS, 1AA strong Division two program before moving up. So, I'm not surprised they have some more talent coming out. Yeah, Patterson, New Jersey native uh, Mike Adams, too. Two-time pro bowler in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts. Safety. Yep. He was a Delaware, uh, he's a Delaware Blue Hen guy. He went to PCTI mm -hmm. over in uh, Wayne, New Jersey from Patterson. So, uh, you know, Delaware does have a couple pros in the NFL at the moment. Um, and also, I don't, know, I don't know how true this is. I, I think this is only through his first two seasons. Jalen Randolph, I saw he only, had, uh, he only had two lost fumbles and 202 carries. And that's huge because a lot of times you see coach banish guys to the bench uh, for fumbling the football. I think it was John Heisman who once said it. You, it was it's better for you to have died as a young boy than to fumble the football. <laughs> you know, so um, you don't want to drop the ball, and if you can protect the football again, you're going to be on the field, and, and that helps your availability. Ball protection is just so important, and that was a lot. Of, like a lot of the time, you know, I was looking, I was looking because I, I was trying to find fumbles. And it was tough for me to find lost fumbles for mm -hmm. a lot of these guys. The only guy I saw pop up for was Jalen Randolph in a positive way. So I was wondering, you know, ball security being so important, I wasn't finding anything else on the other guys. I saw Jalen Randolph only two lost fumbles in his first 202 career carries over at Delaware. I thought that was pretty impressive. 
Now, a guy who was uh, an AP FCS All-American last year in 2015, Kate Harrington from the Lamar Cardinals. What do you like about Harrington? Explosive, man. And, and again, a team that struggled throwing the football, although they have options in the passing game, they like to be balanced. But when you have a guy that's averaging, what, 7.9 yards a carry? Yeah, 7.9. Which yeah. I thought it was a typo at first. <laughs> right. I was like, that's got to be a typo. So I looked at the attempts. I almost broke out the calculator, but I was like, 266 attempts. Over 2,000 yards, I was like, all right, 7.9 pound makes sense. Yeah, because usually if you got a guy that has a ridiculous yards per carry, you're like, like, okay, you know, 50 like carries. 50 carries you know, or something bro- like broke that. Broke one, you know. Exactly. So that, that's usually that's the first thing I think. When I see a guy averaging six, seven yards per carry, this guy uh, borderline eight yards per carry, you got to think, all right, this is a third down back who broke one or two out of his 50 to 60 right. carries over you know last season. But this guy touching the ball 266 times on the ground and still averaging 7.9 yards per carry, plus 21 TDs to go along with it. And, and when teams know you're getting the football, and that's the yeah. – and it came at a – I remember I watched the game uh, versus southeastern Louisiana, and it, they were down. They needed a big play. It was, it was the last drive in the fourth quarter, and they had to get like 80 yards. Um, they ran the ball, and they got to the 50 instantly because he ripped off a long run. So, Harrington has the Jets. He has the ability to start quick. Um you want to see him grow his game a little bit more, um, become a little bit more patient. I think he's a little bit too aggressive at times and will try to beat the block before it, before it you know, opens up. Um, but he has everything else you want. You know, he has power. He has, um, he's a very compact guy. I think he's 5'8", 185. Um, very compact guy, explosive speed, breakaway speed, and he has the durability that you want. He doesn't get tired, you know, and a lot of times you see backs after, let's say, two to three consecutive carries, they won't be as explosive, but he doesn't have that issue, and I think that's impressive about his game. Yeah, 190 yards per – he averaged 190 yards per game over 11 games. So when you're talking about stamina, you're talking about ability to carry the ball three, four, five downs in a row. Right. You know, endurance is so big in that, and Harrington clearly had it last year. For the cards, and I tell you right now, as a running back, everybody, every running back wants the ball consecutively. They want the ball every play, but they don't want the ball every play because they get tired. <laughs> you know, so but yeah. a guy that doesn't get tired can go all day. That's impressive. Yep, and uh, that pretty much wraps up, right? That's that wraps up our running back list. Um, we'll bring right into the wide receivers now because we took a pretty long break already, and only one receiver on the list, and not only. Uh, we only got one receiver on the list, but one of the high, most highly decorated players in all the FCS, not just this year, but, you know, you could say all time when you're looking at the awards and the, and the conference, uh, you know, and the conference, you know, all first teams and all the different stuff, the, the, uh, the AP All-American list he's been on, the statistics, and that's Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington. Yeah, and he won the Jerry Rice Award, fitting, because that was given to the top freshman in the FCS last year, he won the Walter Payton Award, which was given to the top player in the FCS. Um, and he's a three-time All-American. He's going to be a four-time All-American. And he has a chance, if he just does what he did the last three seasons, so an average year for him, um, he'll shatter all of Jerry Rice's receiving records at Mississippi Valley State, which led the FCS, which has stood for, what, 20 almost 30 years. Yeah, I would say closer, yeah, closer 30, 30 years. Closer 30 years, you know, since, what, 84? So that's a long time. And for and for this guy in this offense who has, you know, Eastern Washington has put out a ton of quarterbacks. You know, they got guys playing in the CFL, guys playing in the Arena League, guys coaching around the league. Um, I mean, Vernon Adams was a 
Eastern Washington guy before he transferred to Oregon. So they are known for throwing the football, but he is the only receiver to put up these numbers consistently when teams know he is their number one option. So Cup, in my opinion, is one of the best receivers regardless of division. You can look at D2, D3, D1. Um, Cup belongs in the conversation. So he will probably he will end up being not only a, a um, combine invite, but a senior bowl guy, I believe, because he is phenomenal. You can't deny his numbers and what he brings to the table. He can play inside or out, and teams will try to pigeonhole him. We talked about this before. Because he's a white receiver, they'll say, like, oh, well, slot. No, he's not a slot receiver. He can play outside. He can also play inside. And at 6'1", 196, he's physical enough to make things happen after the catch. So he's a tremendous talent. Yeah, they're, they're the accolades and the Walter Payne, the Jerry Rice, the uh, last year Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year, three-time All-American, like you said, about to be a four-time after his senior season. This is a guy, like we said, everybody on our list for offense, everybody, a mm -hmm. senior on our uh, pro prospect list, Coop was the one guy who did almost come out last season. Uh, he was probably the out of everybody. You'd probably say he was the closest to coming out last year if anybody right. were to enter, uh, but elected to come back to college. And uh, one one stat that really just jumped out at me because now that you said everybody knows the ball is going to him, they still can't stop him. As a freshman, they might not have known the ball is going to him. Twenty one fresh uh, touchdowns as a freshman, which I thought was in one of the better conferences in all of SCS. I thought that was pretty insane. 21 TDs as a freshman, and he's got 56 now for his three-year career uh, in Eastern Washington. And see, that's the, that's the crazy part because, again, it's hard to get on the field as a freshman, and to get on the field and dominate says a lot about your game. It really does. Um, his numbers really uh, – they, they surprised me. When I looked at those numbers, like, that, those are surprising numbers. Moving on to the uh, tight end position, we got three tight ends. Or do we got four? I think we got – yeah, we got we got three tight ends. Uh, starting off with uh, from another guy from you know looking at, looking at your shirt, another Fordham University Ram, uh, and that is at the at six foot eight, two forty five, and I have to assume a converted basketball player, and that's Odom. Yeah, Faison Odom played a little bit of basketball at Fordham. Um, he just couldn't get on the field because they had a two time All American tight end ahead of him, and Dan Light, who was last with the Denver Broncos. It, it, Dan Light is an unfortunate story because. He got cut the day before the Super Bowl. Oh, right, which is crazy because <laughs> still got a ring, but still got a ring. But but geez, let the guy at least you know. But I'm pretty sure they let him on the field or be on the sideline, whatever. But um, so Dan Light was there in front of him. Uh, so Odom wasn't going to get on the field, and when he did last year, again in that Fordham game, I mean that Army game, he lit up Army, and this was his first real experience of getting extended playing time. And so yes, you're going to see the rough edges. You're going to see a guy that is not as polished as a blocker. Um, but the receiving skills is what is impressive. Now, Fordham uses their tight end almost like a detached guy, a H back type. They'll line them up in a the slot. They'll move, put them in motion on wham blocks and, and traps and things like that, or even leads, uh, lead blocking in the hole um, on power plays. But uh, he has to get a little bit more. He, he was an okay blocker. You could tell that was not his, his cup of tea. He would rather not block. Yeah, that's 6'8", you're going to have to block. You're going to have to block. You know? You're going to have to block. You're going to have to – and he's going to fill out his frame, too. I think he's going to grow to be about a good 265. Um, they have themselves a, a, a legit talent here in Odom. Um, they got great coaching over there. They featured the tight end, you know. And if you're throwing some key blocks, like we saw Dan Light do at Fordham, you're going to open up holes in, for uh, Edmonds, who's going to break some long runs. So you're going to get your just due. He may be another one of those – I think he may be – Depending on how his year goes, um, I think he'll be a, a definite 
uh, East-West Ryan game invite. I, I think that's where he's going to be. And blocking is so important. And when you notice in the NFL, I know if, if you really look at it, the starters, the starting tight ends, the star tight ends, none of them seem to really be blockers. They're all pass catchers. They go out. They make the highlight catches, the Gronks, the Grams, and all those guys. When you look at teams' backup tight ends, those are the guys throwing the blocks. And when you look at Odom, a guy who will probably be a later draft pick if picked, at 6'8", converted basketball player, more of a project still at this point, even though the guy clearly does have the skills. Uh, you, you know, If you're going to be on a roster as a backup tight end, you have to be able to block. And you know, uh, like you were saying, if he's not a great blocker yet, he's got to get there in the senior season. If I'm if I'm an NFL scout, because that's what I'm looking for. If I'm bringing a guy on to be a second or a third stringer, you know, over the next couple of years, he's got to be able to block. Right. I mean, you need you you have because you don't want to you don't want to tip your hand by personnel. Like a guy comes out on the field, like hey, you know, um, so oh he, he they're they're throwing the ball. You know, or yeah. here comes the blocking tight end. You don't want to be that guy, you know. You, you don't want to tip, tip off, you know. And, and that's what I like about uh, the next guy on the list, Mike Estes out of Gardner-Webb. Estes, Gardner-Webb runs the football. Um, so Estes is on the field for both running and passing downs. He plays a little in line. They'll flex him out. He can line up out wide. Um, and he's a physical guy. He's, he's more like a tight end um, with athleticism. And I think by him – getting involved more in the offense. I think Estes will be a senior bowl guy. You know, I know the, I know they only bring in a certain amount of small college guys, but I think at worst he'd, he'd be a um, East-West Ryan game um, because he, he's firmly on the radar. He's put up numbers. Uh, he's an H-back type. Um, if I had to compare his game to, some, to someone watching him play, I would say Estes is more – he would be your ideal uh, Steelers tight end. Like that number two tight end yeah. that um, that doesn't play in line but plays as an H back, but also can you know play in the slot as a bigger wide receiver. But he's physical, so I like that about his game. I think that's where he has a chance to, to have success. He's a good player. They had a really good receiver uh, two seasons ago in Kenny Cook, um, and Estes has been consistent since he's been with the running Bulldogs. Yeah, that's what they, that, those are my favorite kind. Those very versatile. You could put them back in the backfield to mm-hmm. come up as a blocker in like a fullback role. You could put him online. You could put him out to, to receive. You could do a little bit of everything. And that's why, as a Colt fan, I love Jack Doyle. When you think of the Colts tight ends last year, you think Fleener, you think Allen. But as a Colt fan, my favorite tight end is Jack Doyle. One, because he's the best blocker on the team, period. Best right. blocker on the team. You look at the offensive line, Anthony Costanza, I don't care who it is. He's the best blocker on the team. You could do so much with him. You know, he goes out. He has good hands. He can run routes. You know, he's good in the red zone. You could put him in the backfield as a fullback. Mm-hmm. He could be a lead blocker back there for Gore. And then you could put him on the line. He throws a perfect chip block. You go out. He could receive. He could do a little bit of everything. You know, meanwhile, Fleener really could only catch the ball. Dwayne Allen, I don't know how he got the contract he got. Really, you know, really does everything that that um, that uh, Doyle does. You know, Doyle does, but a little bit, you know, in a little bit lesser of a way, a little slower. You know, a decent blocker, definitely overpraised as a blocker. But Jack Doyle is my favorite and a very under the radar guy. I believe an FCS guy, but a very and a very underrated pro. Uh, does that wrap us up? Oh, we got Josh Cook from uh, from Iowa State, from the Iowa State Bengals. Uh, Josh Cook. Yeah, Josh Cook is is coming off of let's say a. An okay year. He's a really good tight end prospect. Their offense struggled last year, and, and they 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 were big in 2014. Actually, uh, one of their best seasons in quite some time because Idaho State has been a perennial doormat in the Big Sky. But 2014, they were impressive. Cook was a big reason for that. 
Um, last year, he took a step back, but he's still one of these these tight ends that are more like the Josh Hill that plays for the New Orleans Saints, one of your, your guys that you can line up. Uh, again, all of them have the same tendency to be able to line up anywhere. Not really an inline guy, but he's a receiving option that's excellent. So his receiving skills are, are what will make him coveted come NFL draft time. Very nice. So moving on to the all, because we're kind of we're already at ten forty. So um, yeah, we're probably going to get the defense maybe next week or something like that, which is fine. We'll do we'll strictly work with offense this year, uh, this, this week, week because you know we got it's a lot of prospects, man. And you want to give guys their just due. So yeah, and I, these are the guys that don't get their just due. And exactly. That's the big uglies up front, the offensive linemen, maybe the most important, you know, most underrated, most important part of a team's success. You look at, you know, getting back to the Colts last year, couldn't protect Andrew Luck. He gets hurt. Team, you know, goes 500, misses the playoffs for the first time in four years. So now you look at the offensive line from a, from a guy from Bucknell, Julian Davenport. You know this guy's going to be a good pro because he's from New Jersey. What do you like about the left tackle from Bucknell? Well, he's 6'6", 320, number one, and he plays with – he plays 6'6", 320. So he, he, he's able to play with length. He leans on guys and – and here's a here's a big compliment for tackles, or let's say left tackles. If you're running weak side, that says a lot about your ability to run block, and they run weak side a lot, you know. So which is a huge kudos to what you do in a running game. Also in pass pro, he has great footwork. He's a really good player. He's gonna. I, I think he's definitely going to be a Senior Bowl guy, um, because he's on the he's been on the radar uh, for a while now. Um, and again, his coach, head coach Joe Susan, speaks highly of his game and what he brings to the table as a person, as an athlete. He's a two-time All-Patriot League performer. This year, he'll probably get three. He'll be his uh, three-time All-Patriot League performer as well. But Davenport is excellent. I mean, when you're able to play your length, guys can't get a hand on your chest. They can't get into your chest, and you're able to keep them at bay while also passing guys off if you need if you need to. So, big uh, fan of his footwork. His his technique, his hand placement, all that stuff right there makes him a premier prospect, I think, as a left tackle. When you have the size and you have the footwork, you know, and you could do it in the run and the pass game, especially as a left tackle to be able to do it in the run game, be able to run weak side, like you said, so, so valuable. And like you were saying, back-to-back -back, uh, first-team All-Patriot League, first offensive line, first Bucknell offensive lineman to do that since 1980, uh, 98 to, 80, uh, to 99. Moving on, Kyle Weaver from... The Citadel. The Citadel. I was like, how do you say that? <laughs> the Citadel. Well, the Citadel is um, uh, they run the option. So you're going to get good athletic offensive linemen. And, and Weaver can play center. He can play either guard spot. So that versatility on the inside is what you want. Now, you, you know a guy coming from an option offense, uh, you know, his footwork is excellent. His angles that he take, let's say in pass pro, even in a running game, have to be precise um, because that's – all about their offense is precision. Any, you know, Wofford has a, a good offensive lineman uh, that's not on the list, but he'll be a pro prospect. And Anton Warby, uh, and they run the option as well. But your footwork has to be precise. You have to be able to make things happen and cut guys off. Um, and Weaver is is phenomenal in that capacity. So just from an athleticism standpoint, he he warrants a shot uh, moving forward. I think he has good game, uh, especially in, in the run blocking department. And this guy may be the best offensive lineman on the list and one of the best offensive linemen not only in the FCS but in the entire country, and that's J.P. Flynn from Montana State at 6'5", 320 is what I have him at here. And another versatile guy that can play guard or tackle. So important. Uh, and, and, right. The more you can do, the better, the better your chances are, are sticking in the league. And so Flynn is, 
is impressive. And, and he's going to be blocking for a new quarterback as their their QB, Dakota Prukop, is now transferred, graduate transferred to Oregon. So another guy from the big sky going to Oregon. Um, but Flynn is also – Flynn also dealt with a little bit of injury last year, but he's healthy. He's at 100%. He, I think he had off-season shoulder surgery. So he's going to be back. He took the spring off, but he's going to be back ready to go, and he's just going to build on that campaign campaign he put on last year. I think he's probably going to be um, a either – I think he's going to be more likely an NFL PA to sh- uh, Shrine game invite. And like you said, playing multiple positions is just so important because, you know, you take up one roster spot and you can do two things. Right. Or three things, or, you know. And that is just so, so valuable at the next level. You're only allowed X amount of spots. This guy could do two things. This guy could do one thing. Give me the guy who could do two things um, at the next level. That's J.P. Flynn from Montana, Montana State. Yeah, we got, uh, we got both guys uh, looking at some of the comments here on, on our Facebook Live. Gene Clemens, who's, a, who's an analyst with Football Game Plan, says, uh, talking about the tight end, you know, being in the platoon system where you be multiple. Um, Brandon Howard, who's with Sports Talk Florida, says versatility is always key. You know, that's a good point because it's true. I mean, if I can get one guy that can do three things, that's I don't have to get three guys. Yeah. You know, and so you, you know, it, it's economical for your for your, for roster. your roster, right? You know, this, so. this isn't you can't have you know you can't dress a hundred guys. So right. You know, you you know you have your fifty man. You got to be able to you know accommodate and. You know, have one guy be able to do two, three things. It makes it that much, you know, it makes you that much more dynamic. Plus, like what you were saying before, which is also a great point, you know, I don't want to put this guy in and the defense go, oh, they're running the ball. Right. This guy comes in, oh, they're passing the ball. You know, I want them to be like, what, what's coming at me? I don't know what's coming at me. You want them to be on their heels. You don't want them to know. You don't want them to be able to read it. And uh, that's why the platoon system works, too, to Gene's point, because yeah. now you you you, you rolling in guys rolling in guys you're bringing guys in and set so you still have that capability of of being you know mysterious in what you want to do so yeah moving on Corey uh, uh Corey Levin from uh Chattanooga yeah Chattanooga is a team that I think is going to be awesome this year um and Levin what he he played left tackle right tackle left guard center you know, the only position position he hasn't played up front is right guard. I'm pretty sure he could play that as well. Playing all three spots, um, I mean, all four four out of the five spots up front, again, speaks to your footwork has to be all right. Um, your your hand placement has to be excellent. Uh, your ability to, ha- to, to reset and recover um, has to be on point. So you talk about a polished offensive lineman. Chattanooga runs the football very well. They have a really good running back in Derek Crane, who was an all-conference performer. And I think when you look at Levin, being able to be versatile, like I said before, especially coming from the FCS, where you're competing competing against guys from these major schools to, you know, to jockey for just a combine invite, being able to do more, showing that athleticism helps you out in the long run. And to be able to play four out of the five positions, and I'm sure he could play all five, like you said, right, right. Gu- right guard is the only thing he doesn't play, but he plays right tackle, plays left guard, uh, left tackle, and center. So, you know, that versatility is really off the charts. You know, you're getting, you know, it's kind of like the equivalent of a five-tool player in basketball, a guy who could do a little bit of everything. You know, those are the guys you want on your team. Corey can play four out of the five positions, and like you said, pretty sure he could play all five of the positions. Uh, that, you know, the, uh, you know, the versatility is absolutely incredible there so we'll take another break um should we think about what to talk about when we come back during the break uh you know probably won't get into the defense because you know we only have about 13 minutes left uh, you know give or take with with uh you know 
We can talk some that. Big Sky when we come back. We want to do some Big Sky. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, talk a little Big Sky conference, a little Big Sky preview, uh, which will really be leading us into our real Big Sky preview, which we'll probably get into uh, completely next Friday. So we'll be back right after this here on MTR Radio. Live play-by-play. Your calls. Our opinions. MTR Sports. Yo, have you ever had a dream of becoming a radio or TV personality? Guess what? What is he? What is he? What is he? What is he? That could happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you get there. They're the oldest and largest group of communication schools in the country. In the country, I tell you. You learn by doing hands-on training here. None of that textbook drama. You learn from professional broadcasters and, hey... They have job placement assistance for grads, too. Take it from me and a few other people. We're all CSB grads. I finished the CSB program in March. Now I'm working at a news radio station in northern New Jersey. Hi, I'm Bobby O'Hara, and I attended CSB back in 2013. I'm currently working for MLB.com in New York City. If it wasn't for my experience here at CSB, I wouldn't be able to be where I'm at today. If you do decide to come to our school, you will get trained in months here, not years. And hey, another cool thing is there's also scholarship programs available. So don't just sit there. Call one 800 TV radio and make those dreams a reality with Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Yo, Izzy, thanks for telling us that, man. Now we're going to call and get our career started in broadcasting. No problem, guys. You're welcome. Live play by play. Your calls. Our opinions. MTR Sports. And we're back here, 10.50, so we got about 10 minutes to go. We'll be saving the, uh, the pro prospects on the defensive side of the football for next Friday, 10 a.m., right here on MTR Radio um, and the Facebook Live and the, the other thing. We got. we have a whole bunch of different periscopes, Periscope, so you can listen to us and watch us and, you know, multiple different medias. So um, we'll do a little Big Sky preview uh, for the next five minutes or so. A little Big Sky Outlook. And if you guys want to call up, 609-910-0687 is how you get through to us over the Skype. And we'll take your calls and you can join the conversation on all that great FCS football talk right here on the opening drive on MTR Radio. Embry, what do you like about one of the best conferences in all of the FCS, uh, the Big Sky? Well, it's, it's a deep conference. Uh, number one, you have teams that are historically good, like Montana, Eastern Washington, uh, Montana State, you, you have those teams, you know, but now you get guys, uh, last year you had a, a Northern Arizona as a team that's kind of like borderline that has been good some years, uh, but they've been consistent, you know, so now you have these these new upstarts, teams that have tremendous success last season in Northern Colorado. They, they were never known for having success, and now they're, they're playing winning football. They, they have probably the best special teams uh, unit two excellent returners uh, in in Ellis Onik the second and Hakeem Deggs. Uh, so they have two good returners. Special teams is awesome. Offensively they got better, uh, so they had a great season. Then you have North Dakota, who I think will win the conference um, outright because they just changed their mascot from the Fighting Sioux to uh, the, the Fighting Hawks. So I do think the Fighting Hawks this year with their running back John Santiago. They have the best. They got four guys on our preseason right. uh, Big Sky all-defense team. On defense, right, exactly. So you they look at their four defense. Guys, that's a big chunk of at, <laughs> at every level. You yeah. know, so, I mean, that right there tells you a lot about what they bring to the table defensively, um, solid in special teams department. So, And you also look at another team in northern Arizona. You know, we talked about them being on the borderline, but here is a squad that, that has 
the best quarterback, I think, in the conference in Case Cookus. You know, uh, he was a freshman All-American last year. Um, he has a really good receiver to, th- to throw the football to, and Emmanuel Brown, I believe his name, 6'3", 210. Um, so, you know. Emmanuel the, Butler, right? Butler. So the, the, the thing is, can those guys that, that were known as doormats maintain success? I think they can because they're, they're talented. And to me, that just makes the, the conference stronger as a whole. Um, so, but then you look at teams like in the middle that, that still have talent but are, you, you kind of worry about. Um, at teams that they say nobody wants to play, Cal Poly, because of their option. They have four backs that can really bring it. Um, they're breaking in a new quarterback. So, but they, they run the option. That's hell to defend on Saturdays. Um, and Weber State, who has really good defense, uh, but you want to see them become a little bit more, let's say, balanced on offense. And um, so those teams like in the middle, you kind of worry about. You don't know what you're getting out of Idaho State this year. Um, so that, that that would be a team that, that you can say you want to see them like rise above from the, the, the seller and get back into the conversation. But top to bottom, it's going to be a dogfight, you know, week in, week out in the big sky. I, I, I just like the depth of the conference. And it's just a byproduct of guys – you know, going to these schools, coaches recruiting well, and the exposure that they're getting. You know, no longer do you have to go to the uh, Miami or the Florida State to get seen. Um, you got guys that are bypassing Boise State for Montana. You know, guys that are bypassing, uh, let's say, Washington State for Idaho State. I mean, next year they're going to get another squad. They're going to become a 14-team league when the Idaho Vandals move back down to the FCS from the, the Sunbelt Conference. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's just a great conference top to bottom, a lot of depth, a lot of talent. You're going to see some good football being played out, out west. And nowadays with social media and YouTube and the way you could see videos so fast, I mean, this show alone, we're on the internet radio, we have the Facebook Live, we have the Periscope. So it's like there's so many outlets to see players now. You know, guys who aren't on ESPN, you know, every other week, you know, could still be seen through YouTube and through all these different outlets, you know, it makes guys at the FCS level easier to be noticed. Plus, you go to an FCS school, you might get more playing time as a freshman as you would to, you know, elsewhere. So uh, I like that point that you just brought up. And uh, the big sky being home to Cooper Coop, uh, Cooper Cup and J.P. Flynn, two of the uh, two of the top guys we had on our um, on our pro prospect list. Uh, was that the only two pro prospects we had for this for this uh, senior class right now? For for the big sky at least. Yeah, it, I mean there there are some more. Uh, and we could get more in depth, but there's there's offensive at least. For offense, yeah. Offense. I mean, Cook is Cook is one of those guys. Um, and I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, the quarterback for Eastern Washington will be one guy to watch. Um, as well, his name slips me, but he's the he's the starter for for Eastern Washington, and he put up big numbers last year. He was six four, two twenty. Um, I gotta find his name now, but he uh, is another guy. He had to. It, it's it's funny because. He put up big numbers but still had to keep his job uh, and fight for his job in the spring because of the talent that they have at their disposal. So, uh, you know, he's going to be their, their lead guy. I'm finding the name right now. Uh, hold up. Yeah, and the number, when you're throwing the ball up to, to Coop with, with the numbers he's putting up, you know, it might not even be the quarterback. Because look at the numbers he's putting up, 56 touchdowns over the last three years, 4,700 yards. Uh, that's pretty crazy stuff, and I like that. I like that. That's actually a nice young connection you got over there in uh, Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona, you have that. Uh, you have the Cookus Butler connection, 
And they hooked up last year for 12,000 yard, uh, 1,200 yards and 15 TDs. And it's Jordan West. Jordan West. Um, and, and there are some guys, there's a bunch of defensive guys in the big sky that's going to be draft prospects. But Jordan West is the quarterback for Eastern Washington. Again, put up crazy numbers last year. What year is he now? He's, he's a, a senior. Oh, he's going to be he's senior. He's a senior, well. yeah. You know, so he's on the cusp of our draft prospect list, but we have him as our draft prospects to watch in the big sky. Um, but there's a ton, and we'll get to this next week, there's a ton of defensive talent that we'll see littered on our list coming from the big sky, especially coming from the Montana Grizzlies. So, I mean, and, and Eastern Washington as well. So Portland State is another team in the big sky that, that you know, was an upstart because they were, you know, a team that had a lot of uh, – they were, they, were, they were mediocre. Last year they broke out. Um, they were 9-2, and two, I believe. They made the playoffs for the first time in their school history, and they're going to be right back in it again because a lot of those guys returned, and they're great on defense. Awesome stuff. And another great show, Emery. Uh, great job. After a week off last week, felt good to get back in the studio and, uh, you know, and get back to the FCS talk, doing the offensive uh, FCS pro prospects and doing a little, a little tiny Big Sky preview, which we'll get more into next week along with the, uh, the defensive side of the football as far as pro prospects go. So, Emery, great job. As always, and appreciate uh, that. Glad to be back. And you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan and also follow the show at the FCS Kickoff on Twitter. Awesome. So uh, that pretty much does it. Emory, I'll see you next week uh, at 10 o'clock. And um, as far as the show goes, that pretty much just wraps us up. We will be back next week uh, right here at 10 o'clock a.m. We'll be doing the defensive side of the football and we'll be doing a little bit more big sky preview. Uh, so basically, what we did today but uh, defense instead of offense. And then back to the big sky to wrap up what we got going on for the, uh, for the offseason preview, previewing the 2016 season. And uh, that's pretty much it. So we'll be back next week, same time, same place, right here on MTR Radio. Breaking the hub and going the length of the field to set the stage for this weekend in the FCS it's footballgameplan.com's FCS Opening Drive with Luke Diamond and Emery Hunt. Presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting.